All right, guys, once again, we have got Dr. Robert Malone joining us on 1819 News, the podcast to talk about all things COVID and COVID vax related. Uh, You're not going to want to miss that. It's really, really good. He's one of the foremost authorities on the subject with his background and everything. He was one of the ones that actually created the mRNA uh, vaccine technology and is one of the first people to speak out against it and became the most canceled man in the world. And when he was the most canceled man in the world, we had him on, and he probably took part in our uh, in our YouTube, uh, you know, uh, exit that we took. So um, tune in for that. And then our behind the scenes is going to be phenomenal uh, for our paying members. We're going to talk fifth gen warfare, psyops, and more. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, where we're pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama every single week. Got an incredible episode, an incredible guest. I couldn't believe that I got him on the first time and we've got him on a second time. And so I'm um, really excited about that. An absolute warrior, uh, someone I consider uh, a hero in this fight against COVID tyranny uh, and just the wickedness that's raining down uh, upon us. And so uh, we have Dr. Robert Malone joining us. So, uh, Dr. Malone, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us. Well, thanks for having me here and uh, welcome. Uh, welcome down under in Alabama. There you go. <laughs> And just a real quick bio, uh, Dr. Robert Malone is an internationally recognized scientist and physician and the original inventor of mRNA vaccination as a technology, DNA vaccination, and multiple non-viral DNA and RNA mRNA platform delivery technologies. He holds numerous fundamental domestic and foreign patents in the fields of gene delivery, delivery formulations, and vaccines, including for fundamental DNA, RNA, mRNA vaccine technologies. Um, what it really boils down to is that this man is the leading foremost authority uh, as it pertains to um, COVID and the vaccine and all of the things that we're dealing with. This is the space he's worked in his entire career, his entire life. Uh, and he is now the the black sheep of the industry as he is speaking out against it. And we're so grateful um, that he has. And so um, before we jump into the content, guys, I got to ask you to join the fight, Um, sign up to become a member of 1819 News today. Go to the website at the top. It says become a member. Click that button. Membership start as little as five dollars a month. With that, you get some really cool merch, access to behind the scenes content like today. Dr. Robert Malone and I are going to be talking about fifth gen warfare and our behind the scenes content. You can't have access to that uh, unless you sign up to join the fight. So please do that. All right. Well, we shall jump right in. Um, yeah, you, you forgot to mention that uh, my whole family comes from Dothan. Ah, yes. Freeze. It's uh, <laughs> apparently a good place down there to be fighting COVID. You got Richard Hirschman from down there, too. So down there in the Wiregrass. Okay. A lot, lot of, uh, and it's it's strange. It's almost disproportionate amounts of people that are that are in this fight coming from Alabama. Jordan Vaughn, Stuart Tankersley, Teresa Long, and Richard Hirschman are all in Alabama, and they're all very much... Uh, in the fight with you, and and so we're we're proud. I think I think we're a bunch of cantankerous folks with uh, our one foot in the Appalachians and the other foot in uh, somewhere around the Tree of Liberty, uh, hoping <laughs> that we're not the ones that are going to do the watering. That's right. <laughs> I like that. And we've got a, a, a Scottish 
uh, history and heritage here too. And they, they, uh, they never backed down from a political fight that came their way. So, uh, we like that. Well, there's so much going on so much that's happened since we last talked. I've got a list of questions, but I don't want to pigeonhole you to the questions. If you just think there's something burning your chest that people need to know about. No, let's go. Okay. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Um, you know, my life these days is, is, uh, interesting. I'm constantly, constantly being attacked now by people out in conspiracy land the attacks have mostly stopped from the left-wing progressive groups um i think i scared them off with the lawsuits against the new york times and the washington post but i just there's there's a group of folks on the fringe on the right that just write nasty stuff on a daily basis it's a little tiresome yeah uh, but uh, and it's all it's all around the idea that i'm a cia officer i'm controlled opposition i can't be trusted Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's unfortunate. That's why we on the right can never have anything nice. Uh, it's the same thing, like watching Trump and DeSantis fight each other, and it's like, freaking really, guys? Is yeah. that what we're going to do right now? Yeah. Sad. I, I'm with you. Yeah. Very frustrating. Um, how, how does that make any sense at all? Yeah, it's crazy. And so I think about it. I don't know if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, but you know, you look at more to the Lord of the Rings, you have an obvious Mordor, Eye of Sauron enemy Meanwhile, the dwarves and elves are fighting and Gondor and Rohan are fighting each other. And it's like, no, look, guys, there's an actual enemy that we should be fighting. And instead, we're fighting each other. And I just went Lord of the Rings nerd on everybody. So I apologize. <laughs> it's OK. It's a good metaphor. <laughs> it is. You know, and and uh, those authors, Tolkien and uh, his that whole cohort of British authors, uh, um, uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, etc. That, yep. that that was a pretty intense period of literary history. A lot of uh, insights got distilled right there um, uh, about a lot of things, uh, spiritual and otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so don't don't ever be ashamed of citing uh, Tolkien. That's right. And if you if, if you're listening to this and your kids aren't reading Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, uh, you need to change that because the garbage that are, they are going to be fed is not any good. Well, let's jump in. Um, first question, what is the significance of the admission by Germany's federal health minister regarding COVID vaccine injuries? And do you agree with the one in 10,000 or is that a really, really uh, low estimate? Uh, low or high, uh, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, it is a undercounting of the adverse events. Yeah, but at least it's a start right yeah. now. Europe is uh, a little bit of a powder keg, even more than the United States. And by the way, we'll be testifying in the European Parliament uh, May 2nd through 4th of this year in Brussels. Okay. Um, uh, so three-day thing with uh, one day actually in the Parliament. Uh, so that's coming up. And that's an international group of physicians and scientists. And uh, even I think um, Piers Robinson is going to be there. Uh, so, so some higher, you know, bigger brand uh, media types, as well as the press. So, the, right now, I I've been to Europe a few times recently, and uh, also to the UK in London to speak to the Conservative Party about Andrew Bridgen, who got kicked out of the Conservative Party for basically speaking truth about COVID. Mm. And my point to all of them has been that uh, they're sitting on a powder keg. And uh, they're continuing, many, many in like the Conservative Party in, in the UK uh, are suppressing the release of information that is known. 
yeah. uh, and available to the government concerning the adverse events and the mismanagement, the consequences of the lockdowns, et cetera. They're suppressing this. And I my warning to them was, if you continue to do this, you're going to eventually get to the point where you have social unrest because this data will come out. Yeah. However, there's a counterpoint to that. There was a, a poll recently done by a journal called Unheard mm. uh, UK that showed that, uh, in their words, if uh, if lockdown was a British party, it would win uh, hands down right now. The majority of Brits apparently like to have uh, a harsh leader. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, centuries of living under a uh, king or what, but um, they, they, uh, they think that the government did a good job with the lockdowns and they still support them. Wow. Uh, which I, I just find um, fascinating and, and bizarre, uh, but it shows how effective uh, these propaganda techniques and information control techniques can be on a population. They can we're now to the point where the governments have enough tools and power and capabilities to basically craft whatever narrative they want. And the majority of people will believe them. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a bad thing. And then, you know, we uh, have invested pretty heavily into creating a statewide state focused news and multimedia publication for the state of Alabama here. Um, and it's just like no matter what we do, it seems like and, it, and it's a generational fight. And it's a it's a long game that the left has been invested in and the right has not uh, as much. But. You know, the distribution lines are clogged. You try and get the truth out there. And, I mean, you, you think about information going out through pipelines. I mean, they're, it's just clogged. I mean, thank God uh, for Elon Musk buying Twitter. Uh, that's that's a huge saving grace yeah. for us. And I, and I know for and And you also as well. thank God for Substack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Substack has been huge, even though it's owned by San Francisco progressives. They are absolutely committed to free speech. That's awesome. And uh, without the Twitter change and Substack, I think we'd be in a very different position. Yep. Certainly I would. Yeah. No, and I, I, I feel the tide's changing. There's still a lot of work to do, a lot more fight to fight. Um, but but I, I the the Twitter thing and watching you get your Twitter reinstated, uh, as well as many others uh, that were, you know, unjustly had them removed, that was a, a big um, wind in the sails of us who have been in the trenches fighting. So um, Yeah, but but now it's all getting throttled just like before. Um, oh no! You know we're we're a long ways from being out of the woods here. Okay, well that's good to know. Um, how important is the former director of the CDC's Dr. Redfield's recent testimony before Congress? So that's a fascinating uh, situation, and I can kind of shed a little bit of light on that. Uh, I've known Bob Redfield for decades. Uh, uh, Bob is kind of a Bob, Bob Redfield is basically a Bob Gallo lieutenant. Uh, for those that don't know Bob Gallo, the old HBO uh, movie and the band played on um, uh, will give you a great introduction to him. Bob Gallo uh, tried to get the Nobel Prize, uh, but instead it went to Luc Montagnier because uh, there was awareness that the virus that Bob claimed to have identified as, as the AIDS virus originated in Luc Montagnier's lab at the Pasteur Institute in France. And uh, so Luke ended up with the Nobel together with uh, uh, his coworker, Francois uh, Barre-Sinusse, as I recall. And, uh, and Gallo didn't get it, uh, much to his chagrin. But Bob Gallo uh, was the guy that 
uh, stood on the platform in the DS with uh, Margaret Heckler when it was announced that we would have an AIDS vaccine in two years. Bob is a wicked uh, political uh, scientist competitor. Uh, every, and uh, he's also Italian, just uh, for context. Uh, and Bob Redfield is an old army guy that uh, basically got run out of the army under a big ethics scandal because of falsification of data about an AIDS vaccine. It almost ended his, his career. But Bob Gallo saved his cookies and gave him a soft landing. But the Bob Gallo story is fascinating. He was sitting at National Cancer Institute, and he was positioned to basically take control of all the AIDS money. Mm. But there was another young guy up and coming that had just uh, become director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, uh, who is his competitor, uh, who is also Italian um, and uh, um, wickedly competitive. Uh, and his name was Tony Fauci. Yep. And they basically got into a bureaucratic knife fight. Bob Gallo lost. And Tony Fauci, you know, that's that's the, the history. Uh, we all know what happened with Tony. And anybody that doesn't should read Bobby Kennedy's book on the real Anthony Fauci. Yeah. But uh, Gallo and, and Fauci have always had kind of, they're like two scorpions, uh, um, you know, in a bottle. Yeah. And uh and Redfield is is uh, Gallo's lieutenant. So, um, you know, time comes when Tony Fauci is finally in a position where there might have to be some accountability. And lo and behold, suddenly Bob Redfield is busy throwing him under the bus, um, to no surprise of anybody that knows about all this stuff. And uh, the story went, Bob Redfield, when he was director of the CDC, uh, which I'm sure Bob Gallo had a key role in getting him there. But the the real reason Redfield was appointed was because of advocacy from a couple of donor philanthropists that were buddies with uh, Mike Pence uh, and knew Redfield from the uh, African AIDS uh, funding that Bush pushed into Africa. And, and so they advocated for Redfield for CDC and uh, Redfield has always been kind of a good boy. He 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 keeps his head down, does what he's told, for the most part. You know, he's a good he's a good bureaucratic soldier in the academic world and uh, NIH world. And um, but the story, if you watched what happened during his tenure at CDC during this outbreak, for a long time he was just going along with whatever Tony and Deborah Berkson and those guys were doing. By the way, Deborah Burks got uh, Bob Redfield's old job running the AIDS program for eight for eight for the army. Uh, so it's all a small little clique of people that have known each other their whole lives, practically. Wow. Um, Deborah Burks having been trained by Tony Fauci as a postdoc. So it's this small little in-group and uh, with their own political dynamics. And uh, about a third of the way through the AIDS outbreak, you know, late in 2020, early 2021, as I recall, Suddenly, Redfield started speaking out about what was going on. And the, the word on the street that I heard was that Gallo basically told him that he better start speaking up about the BS that was going on, or otherwise it was going to stick with him like mud for the rest of his career. And so he came out and then, you know, he was sidelined and no surprise, he basically lost that bureaucratic battle. Mm. But 
it's no surprise to me that uh, when he finally gets the chance to testify, uh, he takes Tony Fauci by the collar and throws him directly into the bus. Uh, so that's that's the backstory to all that. There's a lot more that goes on uh, behind the scenes in D.C. than most people know. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing, even here in, um, you know, the Harvard of the South, UAB, right? University of Alabama, Birmingham, and the medical stuff that goes on right here in the Which town. Which is, by the way, a huge hub for biowarfare and biodefense and, and has its own spook shop uh, component there. That's what, kind of where I was going. Um, and I mean, I always feel like you need a three-hour Joe Rogan to really dive into it, but is is that weird AIDS connection? So you got Michael Sag, who's here, who's over everything at UAB. He's an old AIDS guy, right? That was in the AIDS field. I think the guy Scott Harris, who's our um, our, our public health guy, that had the our um, wow, we've written a million articles on this, and I can't think of the name of. It. He's the guy that told the governor to shut everything down. Uh, our medical officer, chief medical officer, whatever. Uh, and then the way that it's done in Alabama is that. Um, the MASA, which is the the medical board, or the it's not the medical board, excuse me, it's the medical lobby, um, the a doctors association. They're the ones that select the medical officer, who then advises the governor. And it's like, well, that's freaking crazy. This person's not accountable to anybody. But anyway, but the the point being is the people here in Alabama, even that have something to do with COVID, that are raining down tyranny on us, they all have that AIDS connection as well. And I just found that very interesting. Yeah. No. Well, what happened was that uh, in the early 80s, this huge amount of money got poured in to AIDS, and it allowed Fauci to create a little, uh, his own little mafia, because he controls all that money. Yeah. And uh, it, it grew a bunch of people that had grown up in, in this system, uh, and, you know, they worked their way up to full professor and dean and whatnot. And uh, that's that's how these things happen. And so what you're really looking at there is the consequence of uh, decades of uh, kind of in-crowd inbreeding uh, driven by this massive amount of money for HIV research that fueled all kinds of political careers and also uh, a lot of technological advancements, a lot of uh, uh, you know, important new breakthroughs in uh, immunology. Uh, it also fueled uh, Emory, uh, just uh, FYI. Um, so Emory is another major beneficiary and center of all this money. And guys like Ray Shinazi and, and many others uh, have have kind of grown up within that system. So there's absolutely some serious power. And then in, in the South and then over to uh, TAMU, Texas A&M, uh, and UTMB and Baylor. I mean, it's just a, there's a band. And, and then also uh, in Louisiana, uh, the uh, Tulane Regional Primate Research Center is another major powerhouse. Gosh. Well, that at least helps explain some of it, because that is something I always found scratching my head is it's that common thread is AIDS, which is a strange common thread to have, but that at least makes some sense of it. Um, well, it's, it's where all the money was. Yeah. If, if you wanted to be in this business, you did AIDS work because that's, I mean, it's uh, the, what is it? Willie Horton or Willie Sutton? Yeah. Um, why rob banks? Cause that's where the money is, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, we're going to hit uh, a quick commercial break and uh, we will be back with more from Dr. Robert Malone. Hey y'all. It's Allison Sinclair with Alabama Unfiltered. A lot of people ask me, what can I do to actually make a difference in DC and in my state government? 
And one of the most effective things you can do is write an old school letter to your elected officials. It seems super simple, but a written through the mail letter gets their attention much more than an email or a phone call. I use the Quick Letter app from my phone to write letters and it makes it so easy to write all of my representatives in DC and in our state a real letter in a matter of minutes. And so Quick Letter automatically determines your representatives and their mailing addresses. You write or dictate a letter on your phone and tap the name of every representative you want to receive that letter. And Quick Letter handles the delivery address, the return address, the greeting, the closing, the signature, the printing, stuffing, stamping, and placing your letter in the U.S. mail. Your governor, attorney general, state legislators, your U.S. senators, and congressmen need to hear from you. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. Actually, a brief, simple letter usually has the most impact. Send a quick letter today and every day. Go to quickletter.com, that's K-W-I-K, quickletter.com, or download the Quick Letter app today. Welcome back, everyone. We've got Dr. Robert Malone, uh, and we're talking all things COVID, vaccines, and everything else that's going on. Before we jump back into that, I want to say a quick word about our sponsor, Jim Hicks at Quick Letter. He's done an incredible thing, creating an app that makes one of the most important things you can do, super simple, um, to be able to write a letter to your legislator, to write a letter to your U.S. Senator, Governor, whoever it is uh, that's representing you. You can let them know how you feel about so many things that are going on. We're in a legislative session right now. Uh, as we talk to Dr. Robert Malone, um, we need to fix the Scott Harris situation in the state. Well, this gives you the opportunity to voice your opinion about how our state health officer is selected. Um, there's all kinds of hospital visitation things and so many things of how Alabama was supposed to be a ruby red state. We botched on COVID. We're in a legislative session now with all this knowledge and data showing us how we can fix it. Um, your legislators need to hear from you and know that that's a priority. And Jim Hicks has made that possible with the Quick Letter app. Download that. Uh, and get to writing. Um, and I know I can't tell you how many legislators I've had since we've started having Jim Hicks as our sponsor at Quick Letter who've come up to me and told me that they get the letters, they read the letters, and they matter. So do that. All right. So we're back. Um, yeah. Hey, I can let me riff off of that for just a minute. Sure. Last week I was testifying in the Texas Senate <coughs> before their HHS committee on a bunch of COVID related bills. Texas is really going to town, and they should be voting this week on those. The testimony was last week. But they're, they're doing things like uh, funding a major study to uh, discern what the true risks and benefits are of the COVID vaccine. They're going to build their own VAERS system, or hopefully VAERS 2.0 that's better. Yeah. Um, and one of the ones that I'm most excited about in those bills in Texas is I think there's a good chance they're going to pass legislation to forbid gain-of-function research and directed evolution in the state of Texas, which would be huge. Yeah, that would be great. And again, I mean, this is Alabama, that's Texas. These are the things that are expected of states like ours to be doing. There's no reason we shouldn't. We have the data. It's safe to do it now. That these these you know finger in the wind politicians can score some cheap, easy political you know points by doing stuff that's actually going to help the people. And so. Hoping uh, that we get some of those things, Doctor. Um, yeah, we need we need people in the legislature and governor's seats that have uh, choosing my words um, <laughs> uh, show some intestinal fortitude. Yes, uh, and and um, uh, I'm reminded of the you know we can quote Martin Luther King here. It's always the right time to do the right thing, 
And yep. all it takes is somebody that, uh, you know, leadership that is willing to do the right thing. And it, it shouldn't be too hard to figure that out. Uh, and all of this, oh, we shouldn't do it now because it's not the right time or whatever. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's always the right time. It's always the right time to do the right thing. And we see that it actually gets rewarded. There's so many, you know, political consultants that are like, don't be too conservative. Don't be too far right. It won't, you know, we'll look at DeSantis. He barely won when he first ran. He, he skeaked by and, and won in Florida. And then when he ran again, he won by a freaking landslide. And all yeah, he, he did. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. So that's the type of reward you can get for being a leader right now. There's no reason, there's no excuse for these legislators not to just put metal pedal to the metal. And especially with the COVID stuff, because there's data to back it up. They're not, they're not gonna, you know, yeah, they'll 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 take some crap and they'll probably have some people, you know, frustrated with them. But anyway, that's uh that's what I spend my days doing is thinking about all that. You, <laughs> so you and I are aligned. Yeah. Uh, we need we need I mean, you and I are out here hanging it in the wind. Yeah. Uh and uh, taking the shots every day at us, uh, and we need you know we need some folks in the state houses that uh, show a little bit of gumption. Yep, intestinal fortitude and also testicular fortitude. Both of those things uh, so. is what we need. <laughs> All right. Well, next question on the list. I think this is a really big one. Um, Dr. Tankersley's done a ton of research on that. Uh, on this is. Has there been an uptick in miscarriages and fetal deaths after pregnant women have received the COVID vaccines? So this is a really hot topic, and it's it's starting to gain a lot of steam and a lot of traction. This is one of the topics we're going to be talking about in in uh, Brussels when we testify before the European Parliament in a month and a week or so. Uh, the the data many obstetricians are. Uh, reporting. So these are folks that deliver babies for a living. Are are reporting um, uh, really high rates of spontaneous abortions in the first and second trimester, and many are also starting to report birth defects. And then we have uh, the the macro data, the kind of the big picture data. Like for instance, all cause mortality is an example of that from the insurance actuaries. Yeah. And so one of the big pictures. Big picture things is birth rates, which seem to be dropping in many Western countries. Uh, so, so when all of these things are trending in the same way, then uh, in a normal situation, uh, public health authorities would be saying uh, the house is on fire. We better figure out why. Yeah. Um, but in this environment, it's so politicized that uh, their response is the house is on fire and we want to hide it. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we have, we have this, uh, curious situation of the, I'm going to again, choose my words carefully, young gentleman, uh, recently minted physician who had this senior position at Pfizer worldwide for RNA vaccine, uh, strategy that, uh, got caught in a honey trap operation by project Veritas. Mm. You may recall the interviews Indeed. that I speak of, and uh, we don't need to characterize the gentleman further other than to say that, in my opinion, he's an ESG hire. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the checks multiple boxes. But um, uh, so that's, that's uh, you know, you, you play ESG and that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the gentleman uh, was caught on tape saying that Pfizer acknowledges that uh, there is damage, reproductive damage to women, 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're, they're leading hype. This is the kicker. And, and it's like was totally overlooked. Not that the press covered that anyhow. Uh, but what he said was that Pfizer's leading hypothesis was damage to the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal gonadal axis. That's a bunch of words. Yeah. Uh, in, in plain English, we would call that um, damage to the endocrine system or damage to your hormones. Yeah. And uh, they're thinking that it's actually damage in the central part of the brain, the hypothalamus and the uh, pituitary, and uh, that that's what's driving this uh, alteration in menstruation, which, of course, immediately feeds into infertility and uh, um, things like spontaneous abortion in the first and second trimester. And uh, so that's that's apparently, if you believe the guy, that's Pfizer's explanation. And there are data supporting that. And more and more of the data are coming out that we're having these various types of brain disorders. We've all been talking about brain fog. Um, and uh, some of us have experienced it directly, case in point. Um, I do my best, but I've certainly experienced plenty of brain fog, both post-jab yeah. and post-COVID. And uh, and I, I flatter myself to think I've mostly recovered, but um, there's papers out now that are quite solid in the in the peer-reviewed literature that uh, we're seeing a real surge in what is being diagnosed as functional neurologic deficit. Mm. So again, that's, that's a brain disorder, brain and nervous system disorder. And, uh, and it, it, it's being seen that in a recent paper, it was documented that it does occur after COVID, but it tends to be shorter in duration, yeah, uh, like about four months max and more skewed to the elderly. And in the post-jab um, functional neurologic deficit or disorder. Um, it's lasting for at, you know up to two years. We don't know about longer, and is much more severe and tends to be skewed younger. Yeah. Than in the post-COVID group. So that's a lot of lot of red flags being thrown on the field. I, that's probably something a, a metaphor that works in in uh, Alabama. Yeah. Um, we get the foosball. A lot of flags are that there's brain damage going on yeah um and uh football helmets aren't going to stop it yeah well there you go um on that project veritas note um let's talk about what what else the esg hire had to say um in uh directed evolution what is let, let's talk about directed evolution versus gain of function what fauci said on the stand and kind of you know was he lying was he not you know what do we know no, oh, thank you for reminding me about Fauci. I have to do a hit on Fauci today uh, with uh, um, Bannon, and I haven't reviewed I haven't reviewed that video yet, so that's on my to do list right after we're done with this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so that's War Room. Uh, that's a plug. Yeah. Um, but so directed evolution. Uh, I I wrote a Substack about this, uh, an essay. Uh, because I was at the kind of at the tip of the spear with Project Veritas for the all these disclosures. Yeah. And um, I ran that to ground. Uh, there is a Stat News article from like April of last year, I think, uh, in which it was disclosed that Pfizer is collaborating on directed evolution with a Chinese scientist that works at uh, UTMB, as I recall, University of Texas Medical Branch. And uh, is there 
um, leading collaborator in their directed evolution, because you'll remember that was one of the things that was disclosed by the ESG gentleman, uh, was that they were doing directed evolution. Now, I, I went through carefully the Stat News article that disclosed this, uh, and I also testified about it. The, the uh, HHS committee in the Texas Senate was quite surprised to find out that they actually had that research and that I could document it that was going on in Texas. Not very happy about that. But um, the term directed evolution is clearly a euphemism. It's, they're playing word games. Um, if you, what I did is I went back to the federal uh, government's definition of gain-of-function research, and it, it clearly covers what was being called directed evolution. So this is just word games. But what I did do was advocate, and we'll see what happens after the sausage is made, that it, the Texas bill includes both gain of function and directed evolution as prohibited activities in the state of Texas. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, but they're, they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, it's a subtle nuance, a kind of a tomato tomato about uh, which is which. Um, directed evolution in a way is more specific in terms of how it's being done. And uh, by the way, uh, it, both directed evolution and gain-of-function research is absolutely what was done uh, with EcoHealth Alliance and uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology to generate this uh, furin cleavage site uh, insertion and, and some of the other mutations through serial passaging in humanized mice. So uh, there's that. Uh, it, it's, I'm sure there is directed evolution type stuff uh, going on at UAB, I can't imagine there wouldn't be, uh, given given its uh, UAB's uh, background and activities in this area. Yeah, it's this stuff is rampant. It's there, there's a, a lot of these virologists are kind of like uh, entitled children. Uh, they they think that because they're so brilliant uh, and so far advanced from the rest of us, that uh, the rules don't really apply to them. And they they have the right to monkey around with these things, uh, and and make viral mutations and make more pathogenic viruses, and they they give it kind of some loose uh, logic. Oh, we're anticipating future viruses. Well, we saw how that went. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've we've suffered for the last three years under their uh, future viruses that became present. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I as I testified in Texas. I don't see the risks justifying the benefits, if there are any, yeah. of directed evolution and gain of function research with pathogens. And that includes veterinary pathogens, by the way, not just human ones. Yeah. Uh, which is another point that I made in Texas is they need to broaden it to include both human pathogens and veterinary pathogens. Man. All right. Well, last um last question and then we'll wrap up the normal episode and, and get to our behind the scenes. So, you know, one of the things from the very get-go, the Epic Times nailed it, uh, and everyone said that they were crazy, uh, was that this 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 came from a lab, right? This came from a lab. Uh, it did not come from a bat in a wet market, right? And that was the first... Yeah, they, Epic Times knows something about China. Yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and so, you know, this came from a bat in a wet market, blah, 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 blah. That was it. And then they go and do this big investigative thing and said, no, this came from, you know, as John Stewart uh, we, says. We did an article about this and we titled it when a 
when a pangolin kissed a turtle. Yes, that's. Uh, I was just about to go to the John Stewart thing when he was on Stephen Colbert, and he goes, "Oh, you know what? <laughs> Maybe it's the Wuhan coronavirus lab," uh, and goes on that. That was uh, hilarious, and it's funny even yep. when the left can say, "Hey, look, this is ridiculous." So we were being lied to bigly uh, on yes, that front. We were. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So we were being prop. Let's call it what it is. Propagandized. We were being propagandized. Yep, that's it. Um, and so, um, do you think? Do we have any evidence? Do we know? Have you heard? Was it intentionally released, or did it actually leak from incompetence? Okay, so that's a hot topic. Uh, and my position is, I don't, I don't have opinions on things that I don't have artifacts or documents or interviews to support. So I don't speculate, for instance, what is Klaus Schwab thinking? Yeah. Or what is his intent? Yeah. Or is is Bill Gates' real intent to create a clot shot to kill off the world? You know, I just yeah. don't go there. Yeah. Because I don't have if if somebody found a memo from Bill Gates that said I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to invest in RNA vaccines, create a clot shot and kill off two thirds of the population. Then we could talk about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, until then, I kind of say, no, let's yeah. not go into crazy land because that's how they delegitimize us. The yeah. way that we stay, the, 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 the way that we end up the good guys, uh, the responsible parties in this crazy mixed up world. Uh, is that we stick to the facts that we can verify. So I'm convinced now that this was absolutely laboratory engineered, and I believe strongly that is the global consensus. Okay. We don't, we can't yet say how much of that engineering happened in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, how, what was the role of uh, some of the Canadians in that? What was the role in some of the French in that? Um, how much of the funding came from the U.S.? We know from Bob Redfield, you were quoting earlier, that it's coming from State Department, USAID, DOD, and NIH. Um, and Diane Cutler in Senator Marshall's office has got the receipts on that, by the way. So we can just put that one to bed. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's for real. And uh, so uh, there's no question the U.S. government helped fund it in a variety of different channels. And uh, there's no question that it's, as far as I'm concerned, that it's engineered. Okay. Uh, I can't say exactly where that engineering that went. The Russians seem to think it happened in Ukraine. Um, uh, there's there's ample evidence that at least some of it happened in North Carolina, and there was absolutely technology transfer from North Carolina to Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's a fact. And uh, then, but how did it get out? That it, to my eye, the data seemed to suggest, and Bob Redfield spoke about this quite succinctly, as I recall, there, the Wuhan Institute of Virology is fairly new. It's Wuhan Institute of Virology of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, Natural Academy of Sciences, and it was only built uh, a few years ago. By the way, Stefan Boncel, the uh, CEO of, of Moderna, was very involved in building it. Mm. Fun fact. Um, and, uh, um, you know, curious and curiouser. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it at the time when it appears that the virus entered the population in Wuhan, there was a, a documented uh, 
a contractor brought in to redo the air ventilation. Um, so uh, when you're when you're messing about with airflow in in P3 and P4 labs, that usually means you got a problem with with the air pressures and whether things are being forced into the laboratory or forced out of the laboratory. It's super critical. It's the reason why the the big new fancy building at USAMRED in Fort Detrick uh, outside of Frederick never got used. Uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in building this big thing. And it had a great big lobby in the front and they could never get the air handling right. And so all the air pressures weren't right and they could never certify it. You know, because if you got a laboratory and you're working with nasty stuff, you don't want the air blowing out the door. You want the air blowing in the pressure positive so that it stays in that laboratory and has to go through the HEPA filters and, and keep from being blown out into the surrounding population. So something happened in the Wuhan Institute of Virology having to do with air, air handling at about the right time. And then you saw these events. And there was also a report of one of their employees that got sick mm. in, in, with, a, with a respiratory condition. Mm. But the alternative uh, um, storyline has to do with the military games that were held um, a little earlier than that. So it's really hard to pin down. Was this intentionally released? I, I, there, I don't have, I don't see the receipts to demonstrate that. Okay. And I've worked in primate centers and I've worked with these infectious pathogens and academia, etc. Um, for enough years to know that stuff happens. Yeah. People get infected. Monkeys throw feces. Yeah. It just happens. And um, and it's a it's a hazard. You know, if you're gonna do this kind of stuff at at you know, it's a roll of the dice. At some point, bad stuff is gonna happen. Yeah. And I I think that's the most logical is that it was not intentional, but yeah. uh you can't rule it out that. This is why I tell the story about Michael Callahan, the CIA officer that I had known for years and uh, had published with. And note, by the way, for the audience, I am not CIA. I've never been CIA. I've <laughs> never been military. I've never been military intelligence. That's all a lie spread by people that want to um, delegitimize me. But in any case, the reason why I tell about Callahan calling me apparently from Wuhan on January 4th of 2020 is that it's pretty weird that our top uh, gain of function slash biowarfare intelligence community MD PhD type happened to be there? Yeah, uh, and uh, you know I'll just leave park that there. Yeah, um, and and uh, <laughs> I spoke to him uh, multiple times through the first couple of months, and about a month in, when the whole lab leak thing was being tossed about. And was you know coming up as a controversy. I asked I asked Michael directly, um, is there any chance that this is an engineered pathogen? Now we know now in the present that the answer is yes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he said absolutely not. <laughs> My guys have been all over that sequence, and there's absolutely no evidence of any uh, um, engineering in that sequence. So obviously, I was lied to. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, the the uh, CIA or intelligence community was all over that topic very early on. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Oh, man. 
I'm glad I asked that question. The more you know with the little star that shoots across. All right, well, that'll wrap it up uh, for the main segment on the the podcast that all will see. Um, real quick, before we go, uh, you've got a book out, The Lies My Government Told Me. Um, I assume they can find that on Amazon. Then again, I guess assuming's bad these days. Yeah, and, and Mike Lindell is selling it now through my store if okay. you don't want to send your money to Jeff Bezos. Uh, so there's that. All right. Uh, and you can get it from Barnes & Noble and places like that. And if you want to save a nickel, you can get the ebook instead of the paperback or the hardback. And um, I think that Jill and I get a total of about $1.20 for every hardback that gets sold. So don't imagine that we're getting rich off of this. Yeah. All right. Um and then uh, where, where else can folks find you? Well, like I said, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, uh, Mike Lindell's store. I think you can get it directly from Skyhorse, the publisher. Okay. Uh, it's, it's widely available, but never reviewed. Yeah. Uh, the only uh, publication that printed a review, and it was a very nice one from Veronica Karolinko, is uh, The New American, which is the John Birch Society publication that uh. more and more people are subscribing to. And it, it has a nice review of it in that. But otherwise, the press acts as if it doesn't exist. Okay. And your substack is rwmalonemd, is that right? .substack.com. Yep. And then uh, maloneinstitute.org. Okay. If you want to download uh, stuff about the WEF and, you know, the link, more lengthy documents. Um, so thanks for the shout out on all that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up. Uh, but again, we're going to be talking fifth gen warfare with Dr. Robert Malone on the behind the scenes. Make sure you go to the website, click become a member. Membership starts as little as $5 and you can have access to that and much, much more. Um, so as always, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>